Good morning and welcome to worship. I hope you got a bulletin. Everything you need to follow the service is printed there. We welcome you. We follow an ancient and new form of worship called liturgy where you participate fully in the whole service and we begin by being honest about who we are before God and confessing our sins. So I invite you to please stand as you're able. We worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, and all that is Christ's is yours. Thanks be to God.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Lord, have mercy. we gather in the name of your Son to learn love for one another, keep our feet from evil paths, turn our minds to your wisdom and our hearts to the grace revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and we invite the children to come forward. Come on up. Pastor Paul and I are going to work together on this children's sermon. Everybody sit right here. You need to be out in front because you need to see us. So sit right here looking at us. I know it's not as easy as sitting on the nice stairs. Max, right here, buddy. Perfect. All right. Good, good. All right. Is my mic still working? Yes. Okay. So you guys have played Simon Says before, right? So you Simon Says do something. So we're going to kind of play a little game like that, Simon Says. And Pastor Paul and I are both going to play Simon, and we're both going to tell you what to do. And so 
when we tell you what to do, do what we tell you what to do. Does that sound clear enough? Good enough? All right. So, ready? Simon says, stay seated. Why aren't you guys doing anything? Sit down. All right. All right. Well, let's try it again, Pastor Paul. Simon says, raise your legs. Oh, well, that, oh, okay. That's kind of like, okay. All right, let's try one more. I don't know how they're. Yeah, Simon says stand up. Everybody stand up. Okay, you ready? Simon says stand still. They listen to me. That's a little weird. Now, what was the problem in what we just did? You don't know who to follow. So, yeah, so you just do what you wanted to do since we didn't know what we were doing, obviously, because we're telling you the different things. That's exactly right. That's the problem. Here's something Jesus is going to tell us. Listen to this real closely. Jesus is going to say you can't have two masters. You can't follow God and mammon. That is stuff, toys, games, all that stuff. That can't be your master and God at the same time. You're either going to follow one or the other. Just like Pastor Paul and we are mixing you up. That's what it's like to live in this world. We got lots of people saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And if they don't always go along. And Jesus says, follow him above everything else. Okay? So that's what God's going to allow us to do. And that's what we get to do because that's the way life's going to be the best for sure. All right, let's say a prayer. Thank you, God, for these children. Bless them as they seek to follow you. And they hear lots of competing voices of who to follow. Help us all to follow you and to have you as our master. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. Kids' word with Pastor Paula today. It's okay, come on. A reading from 1 Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his, de his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Have it on, Randy. It's me. Uh, Sundays like this that you've got to uh, love a lectionary. <laughs> if you didn't know, your pastors don't pick out the texts. We have a series of readings over a three-year period that are pointed for each, and we probably wouldn't pick out this scripture if it was up to us. I mean, this is a tough one. In fact, some commentaries say that this is the hardest passage of Jesus to deal with in all the New Testament. Wow. Now for me as one preacher, that just gets me excited. <laughs> I mean, let's take a shot at this. Let's have some fun with this. Don't you think Jesus is like, hmm, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. <laughs> and at first glance, it does seem difficult, isn't it? One commentator said it this way. This passage brings before us a new Jesus, one who seems inclined to compromise with evil. He approves a program of canny self-interest, recommending to his disciples a standard of life which is generally recognized as inferior. I say to you, gain friends by means of money. This is not the worst of it. He bases the teaching on the story of a shrewd scoundrel who feathered his own nest at the expense of a man who he had trusted him, who had trusted him, and then appears to say to his disciples, 
Let this be your model. Hmm. I think we better take a closer look at this one. What is going on here? We certainly need some help with this. How is it that being shrewd might be a good thing? How can we redeem these words of Jesus? We know our Lord. We know he played, you know, he knew how to get right at us and get us going, and boy, he's got me interested at this point anyway. I hope you too. What are the details of this parable? Maybe if we delve into some of those cult, the cultural background, we can kind of redeem this parable. Maybe it's more than what this one commentator said. It's not just Jesus commending some pretty marginal behavior. Maybe there's more to it than that. All right, so I'm going to give you some ways to think about this, and let's try one, and we'll call the first one, you got to do what you got to do. Don't we say that today? Well, you got to do what you got to do. It's just what we say. What, is it, what does that mean? I don't know. But maybe what it means in this context is that we live in a world um, with money and with tough decisions and in a world sometimes we're caught between two wrongs, not just between right and wrong, but which is the lesser two wrongs. And we've got we to be shrewd. We've got to think about what we do. Jesus says in another place, you've got to be gentle as doves and yet wise as serpents. So you gotta have some earthly smarts. You gotta have some money smarts. You gotta, you gotta know how this world works because we live in it. Doesn't he say that, the sons of light? That's a term that actually comes, we see that in the Dead Sea Scrolls of the Jewish community there. The, the religious folks, the people of the community were called the sons of light. So the church, the God's people, have to be shrewd that sometimes the world is more smart about how to work in the world than what the church is. And maybe we do need to be more earthly-minded and more, have some more, um, what do you call that, uh, smarts where, where you, you know how things work in the world. You got to do what you got to do. Maybe, yeah, we got to be wise with what we do with our money and, and how we work things out. Um, we got to take some financial classes from Dave Ramsey. Or some, you know, we got to learn to budget. We got to learn how to be a little more crafty um, in, in how we work with earthly mammon. Because if we are not faithful with that, Jesus says, we won't be given the real spiritual, true riches. Maybe what Jesus is saying is here is that you can't serve two masters, and yet you got to know how to live in this world, but you've got to serve. You know, you got to serve God above everything else. And maybe, maybe you got to put people before prophets. Certainly this dishonest manager took care of the people who owed the, the, the rich man a lot of money. Maybe he helped the rich man too, but maybe that gets us to the next, the next idea. But do you th are you good with that? No. This is not a dialogical sermon. No, just kidding. No, you're right. I can't quite sit down yet. I don't think so. It was a good try. And there's some good to that. There's some pluses to that way of looking at it. We do have to be gentle as doves and wise as serpents. We do have to be a little shrewd in how we work in the world and know how things work. But yeah, I can't sit down yet. I wouldn't feel good about that. Even if there's a Seahawks game on, I wouldn't feel good about that. <laughs> So how about a second one? I'm going to call this second one hidden benevolence. Hidden 
benevolence. And the key to this way of looking at it is, okay, you've got the rich man who's most likely a landowner, and um, you've got the people who owe the rich man money, that's probably the tenants, they're renting out land and they're paying with olive oil and, and with crops and whatnot, and, and you've got the manager in between. And this manager has messed up, but the manager says, you know, I know how to solve this problem. I, I'm gonna give these people what's owed to me. And so the assumption here is that the man, part of the bill was interest that, or commission that the manager would typically get. So when the manager says, cut your bill by this much, the manager was cutting out his profits, not the owner. Ooh, now I like that, isn't it? That makes him less um, diabolical, right? And makes him more compassionate. That he's going to put people truly over profits. He's going to take care of the people who owe a lot of money. And in doing so, yeah, he's going to make sure he's got a spot to be after he loses his job. Um, but he's also going to, he's not taking anything from the master because this was all, after all, he's just giving them his cut in the whole process. Now that makes it a little more palatable, doesn't it? And I like this because it makes the steward, the, the manager, uh, more compassionate, that he's not just thinking about himself, that he's, yeah, he's thinking about himself, but he's also, he, every, it's a win-win-win. The landowner wins, the rich man wins, the people who owed a lot of money win, he wins because they're going to take care of him when he's done. Boy, everybody wins in this process. And Jesus commends this one for his shrewdness. The, so I like that. I mean, I think people are more important than profits. I think relationships are the key to life, and we need to tend to those relationships. So I, I like this. Can I sit down? You know, I see some people shaking their head no. That's really good for a preacher when people aren't finished yet. That's really good. So. Um, so yes, you know, you're right, because after all, Jesus still doesn't say that this was a good guy. He says, this is a dishonest manager. He commends the dishonest manager. He didn't say he was actually a better guy than what you thought. Ah, nuts. Well, let's try another. And we'll call this banking on benevolence. Banking on benevolence. What am I saying here? Well, the key on this way of looking at it comes down to what is the meaning of the word shrewd, since that's what's commended, right? Je Jesus says, you know, this, that's the good thing. This person was shrewd. Now, interestingly, the Greek word here, translated shrewd, never is translated shrewd in any other place in the New Testament. So the Greek word occurs all over the place, but it's only here that it's translated as shrewd. Hmm. Now, the root word here, and the way it's usually translated, it usually has the meaning of wisdom, insight, knowledge, understanding. This is really what the word is about. Now, the only thing to caution you on is that I looked at just about every English translation I could find, and they all use the word shrewd. <laughs> so they know better than me. That's probably the best translation of it here, but at least know that really that this, this kind of shrewdness is all about this guy understood something, okay? That's the key to the banking on benevolence explanation, which I'm going to explain now, is that what is really being 
commended here is that this manager understood something. What did he understand? Okay, let's, to get at that, let's look at the details. Okay, he squandered the master's, the, the rich man's stuff. That's interesting because in the parable of the prodigal son, you know what the prodigal son did? Squandered the, his, the dad's possessions that he had been given. So it's the same exact term. So he squanders it just like the prodigal son did. So he wasn't being a good manager. He was not. And then the manager comes to him and says, now look, 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 look. I want to see the books. You can no longer be my manager. Is he fired yet? It's ambiguous, isn't it? He doesn't say you're fired. Give me the books. He says, you can no longer be my manager. He isn't fired quite yet. And why I know this to be true, because he goes to the, the debtors and he says, take your bill and write less, take your bill and write less. If those people knew that he wasn't really the manager anymore, they could never accept that offer because they would be in cahoots with the crime. If, if they knew that he, still, he didn't have his job as manager anymore, they would never be able to accept that. It'd be a horribly shameful thing and they would be committing theft in essence. But if they don't know that the manager is fired. So no, the manager isn't fired yet. Can you get an idea of this rich man? Is he foolish or what? Why would you say you're gonna lose your job but I'm gonna give you some time, good luck? Hmm. Mm, test, maybe, maybe, maybe Je Jesus is commending the manager because the manager knows something about the, the rich man, about the master, about the one who owns the land. And so he goes and he says, hmm, I'm going to lose my job. I've done a horrible job. I'm guilty. And notice, he, does he defend himself? Oh, but, 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 no defending himself here. He's, he's guilty, he knows it. He knows his only social welfare, his only, you know, his safety net is to make sure that other people like him. So they won't let him rot away and beg. And so he says, he comes up with this really cool plan. I'm gonna reduce. There is, by the way, no evidence that this manager, that that part that he reduces is actually his take in the amount. <laughs> there's, there's no evidence of that. It's, I like the idea, but it's, it's not there. He, he cuts, the, the owner is losing money here, a lot. But he cuts the bill and he does this. What is the manager banking on? So what happens as soon as he cuts this bill? What do those debtors think of the rich man, of the owner? They think, wow, he is so wonderful because they assume that the manager's doing this on behalf of the owner. Are you getting this? Okay, he does that. So they say, oh, he's so great. He's given us a Christmas bonus. And it's just so wonderful. And boy, we sure love the manager, the foreman too. He's great too. And man, oh man, and he is so wonderful. You start to just praise him in the town village about how wonderful he is. He cut our debts in half. It's so cool. He's so wonderful. Now, what's the owner going to do? The manager is banking on the goodness and graciousness of the owner. Because the owner could easily go to those people and say, I had fired that guy. You still owe me the money. Then what would they think of the owner? <laughs> they gave us a bonus and they took it away. But the manager knows. And, and then the manager could just be thrown in jail 
But the manager comes up with this scheme because he knows one thing. As Kenneth Bailey, he puts it this way, a great New Testament scholar, he says, the steward knew the master was generous and merciful. He risked everything on this aspect of the master's nature. He won because the master was indeed generous and merciful. He chose to pay the full price, the master did, for his steward's salvation. That is interesting, that that's what Jesus is commending, that this steward, this unjust steward, knew the gig was up, but he knew that he had a merciful master. Boy, now, doesn't that help us? I mean, what is a life lived like when you know that you have a merciful and gracious God who you're accountable to versus a God who is also, yes, just, but not merciful. A just God without mercy is a God that's going to go, Bill Crabtree, when I mess up. And so I'm going to walk my whole life going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make a mistake. I can't, I can't, oh, I messed up. And you're panicked and you're freaked out and you live in fear your whole life. If you don't have a good and gracious God, how, you know what, you can't make mistakes if you have, don't have a good and gracious God. You better do nothing. Just stay in bed all day. But if you have a good and gracious God, then you can get out there and you can love and you can serve and you can make mistakes and you can mess up, but you can do it wanting to love other people and you can get out there and take some risk and you can go for it. You can have an adventurous life if you have a good and gracious God. So I love this interpretation. Can I sit down now? Well, less of you were shaking your heads on that one. That's good. But maybe there's one more way. And it comes to us through the second reading. Did you catch what, Timoth, what we hear there in Timothy? That Jesus Christ is the one mediator. God desires all people to be, come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus, and he is the one mediator. He's the mediator. What if we get a little creative with this parable? I mean, Jesus has got to just be up there just going, wow, that's interesting. I never thought about going that way with this story. But, you know, but, you know maybe we can be a little creative. Because it's hard for me not to see Jesus in this parable in a different place than what you'd expect. Maybe he's kind of a little bit just a little bit, be creative, don't squeeze it too hard. Maybe he's a little bit like that manager. I mean, when he says, take your bill and cut it in half. That sounds a little bit like Jesus. Write it for less. That he's the manager, he stands in the breach between us and the one we owe everything to. That he's the bridge. I know we got a lot of engineers out here. Everywhere you go around here is an engineer. <laughs> what if you were an engineer and you were presented a problem? I love engineers because they know how to solve problems and they figure it out and they do all the math and they do all that. But what if you, you were an engineer and you were given, okay, you're here and you've got to get to this other place and you could not figure out a way to bridge the gap? What if? That's truly the human condition. And so Jesus is the one who stands in the middle, takes care of our debt completely, builds the bridge for us, forgives the debt, and connects us to God. 
Maybe with that kind of gracious God and with a mediator like that, we can not live in fear and not let our money and mammon be our master, but let Jesus be our master. Let our money and mammon be a tool that we use to serve Christ versus us serving that tool. Maybe that's what we can do. I don't know. I don't know what you think. Keep playing with it. Amen. We stand. Together in trust and hope, we join in confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty,
And now we come before God with our prayers. God, we pray that you would help us trust in your mercy. In all that we do, open our hearts to our neighbors. Bless our youth on their camp out, our schools, work, and families, and the ministries of SLC. Help us to reflect your grace. Lord, in your mercy. Precious Savior, we lift up to you a world that is hurting. Victims in Texas of Hurricane Dorian and other natural disasters, refugees, caregivers, the addicted and mentally ill, families in crisis, the chronically ill, and the homeless. Bless them. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit, as we go out into the world, go with us. Give us good state, local, and national government. Help us to want what you want in this world. Lord, in your mercy. God, we lift up to you Hilma's grandson, Forrest, who's experiencing breathing problems today. We ask your peace and comfort for Greg Patterson and his family in the death of his mother, Janice. We pray for continued healing for Ray Schaefer and Terry Randolph and Mary Huff as they all recover from surgeries. And we pray for Gary Ludwig as he battles an infection. God, many we know and love are facing cancer and we pray for healing in their bodies. We pray for Priscilla and Elizabeth, Angela, Gary, Dave, Gail, Jim, Ron, Kathy, and Carol. God, we ask for your blessing and protection on our military and that you would be with their families at home. We pray for Aaron, Rebecca, Eric, Megan, Jared, Andrew, and David. We continue to pray for many on our list in our bulletin asking that you give them what they need. And we also raise names to you now. Mary with her struggle. Give her merry comfort and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands we trust all for whom we pray, knowing that you hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Greet one another with God's peace. this young man with us the past few Sundays. His name is Emmanuel and he is our intern assistant music director. So, yay. We're thrilled 
to have him, and he'll be doing um, lots of wonderful sharing and learning with Justin, and his parents are sitting over there, too. We're grateful for, for them uh, loaning out your son to us. And let's join together in saying a blessing for Emmanuel and his ministry with us. So if you'd like to raise a hand, if you're welcome to do that, we'll, we'll bless him. Dear Lord, we're so grateful to you for bringing Emmanuel here to um, work and serve among us. Bless him and his ministry here and bless all of us as we share in his gifts and as we all learn to praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Congrats. All right. Well, we're very glad you're here worshiping with us today, and I encourage you to send this down the line, and um, we can send you a welcome if you're a guest. Know that you're here. As always, our weekly beacon lets you know what's happening around in the congregation. Please take some time and read that, and if you'd like to sign up for anything or let us know a change of address or hospitalizations or anything, use your ministry card for that. I'm just going to highlight one ministry today, and that is our small groups, which we have ongoing, some for shorter periods of time, some for longer. And if you've always wanted to check one out, there's a table back there, black and white checked. Marietta, our intern and small group uh, director, is going to take some sign-ups. It's a great way to grow in faith and friendship, so we encourage you to check that out. As we prepare for our offering, we lift up all of the ministries here in the, and in the community and thank you for supporting them. We worship with our offering.
Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. The Lord be with you. And also you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right, our duty and our joy, that we should all the time and everywhere give our thanks and praise to you, Almighty God, through our Savior Jesus, who on this day overcame death in the grave and by his resurrection opened to each of us the way of everlasting life. And so we join with the choirs of angels, we join with our sisters and brothers in the church throughout this earth, and we join with the hosts of heaven to praise your name and sing their unending hymn. that Jesus gathered with his friends, the disciples, how he took a loaf of bread, blessed it, broke it, gave thanks for it, and then gave it to them and said, take and eat. This is my body. It is given for you. Do this to remember me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he gave it for each of them to drink, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sin." Whenever you drink this, remember me. Let us pray as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These are God's gifts for you. Come, all is ready. You may be seated.
also send this meal to Hilma Bridges, Jaden Sandsgard, Peter Carr, and Mary Huff. So let us pray for them. Gracious Lord, as Kay and Kim bring this meal to those who are unable to be with us today, we pray that it would bless them as it has blessed us. Fill them with your strength and your peace and the wonderful gifts of your grace that you so love to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand. May this the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, truly strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Before I send you out with the benediction, I want to remind you that we have our sacred grounds right after worship in the fellowship hall, and also our prayer team is here today. They'll be up here in the front. If you have a need of prayer for healing, if you're traveling, if you have a concern, a worry, a blessing, whatever you need, our prayer team is here for you. And then finally, one other quick note. I am so excited as I looked out this morning that I got to see Paul and Jessica Voigt, who are back with us. Uh, Jessica, is she out with kids? So, oh, she, so, oh, there she is. So anyway, welcome back, you guys. We're just so excited to have you, have you, have you back. And family and the girls. So anyway, so great to have you back. All right, so be sent forth to this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord.